Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Failed Critics Podcast. Uh, I'm Steve Norman. I nearly forgot my name for a minute then. <laughs> Just how hungover I am. Dedicated <laughs> to the podcast though, Steve. You're plowing on. The one thing I should be able to remember, my own name, and I've even got my passport on the table in front of me and my wallet with my driving license in if I needed a reminder. But <laughs> I, I, I struggled through and I managed and I remembered it on my own. Uh, I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Andrew Brooker. Evening, guys. As we do a film podcast and end up reviewing the latest X-Men film. Sounds about right, doesn't it? Sounds like it. That's what we're yes. here for. Yes. Short and sweet and to the point. Mm. Yeah, so we will be reviewing X-Men Apocalypse later after we've done all our usual bits and pieces. Starting with the quiz where I'm losing 1-0 to Owen at the moment after my shoddy showing last week. Yeah, yeah, it was very shoddy. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, you've got a chance to redeem yourself. Well, I, I have, I have won a quiz in the in between time, so maybe I'm back on form. What a proper quiz, not like this. Well, um, it was a quiz. It was purely centred around football. Right. Okay. So yeah, you probably did have a better chance then. But I won, and that's all that matters. Mhm. Mhm. Right. Well, this quiz. Uh, is going to be centred around X-Men, of course, because that's what's dominating this podcast. And uh, I have decided to give you names, three names of mutants in the X-Men world. And you have to tell me which one is the real mutant based on the description of their powers. Uh, well, there's five questions, five rounds, but you've got a question each in each round. So let's start with Steve. <clears throat> Uh, which of the following three does this sound like? Uh, uses kinetic energy to bulldoze through enemies. Is that cannonball, bowling ball, or hairy ball? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have thought cannonball. Is the correct answer. Yes, it's cannonball. It was not hairy ball. Um, Zoe ball. Zoe ball I could have had. Alan, That's true. Alan ball. There you go. Um, yeah, that's been done. <laughs> uh, Brooker, yeah, which of then. these three is the offspring of Magneto? Is it Magneto Junior, Magnetrix, or Magneton? Got to be Magneto Junior. And Steve has taken an early lead. <laughs> no, Magnetrix. Apparently, this really, is that, one of that his daughters. Really, really shit. It does, doesn't it? Well, prepare yourself, because it gets worse. 
Back to you then, Steve. You're 1-0 ahead. Yeah. Uh, which does this sound like? Manipulates light into lasers, force fields, and that kind of thing. Is it Shiner, Bobby, or Dazzler? I think, I think it's Bobby. I don't think Shiner and Dazzler are going to be kind of two, two words like that are going to be that Americanized, especially <laughs> Dazzler. Hooker's back in it. It was Dazzler. <laughs> <laughs> Dazzler is a real mutant in the X Men world, at least. It's what Vinnie Jones' character would call his mate Darren. <laughs> yeah. He was in the X-Men films as well. Yeah, so maybe yes, maybe was. it was Vinnie Jones as Juggernaut and his mate Darren. Yeah, <laughs> Dazzler. <laughs> Bro, um, I, know, I know you're not a football fan, but Vinnie Jones was as good an actor as he was a footballer. <laughs> and, that, and that'll give you an enough. idea of how good he was at football. <laughs> so you, this is your chance to draw level then, Brooker. Yeah, go on in. They have instinctive, adaptive powers and they permanently have golden skin wings and claws is it bodyguard lifeguard or right guard <laughs> if, if it's not bodyguard that's just it's horrible please be bodyguard it's actually lifeguard oh fuck off a superhero called lifeguard right house like starved for ideas i think they got with x-men but how do you how do you get to that point and go you know what would suit this Lifeguard, <laughs> you know that that conjures up real mm-hmm. images of strength and CPR on the beach. Yep, fucking idiots. <laughs> so, Steve, telekinetic ability to reshape metal, plastic, and glass. Is it fox, box, or cox? <laughs> so, how does it? How does how does that? Any of those names relate to that ability? <laughs> it's like. You know, Wolverine, right, he's got claws. Right, so that, that <laughs> makes sense. Cyclops, where he shoots stuff out of his eyes, that makes sense. Jean Grey, that's just a name. <laughs> like, Psylocke, yeah. that's stuff with a mind. Storm, does stuff with weather. Fox, Box, or I don't know. <laughs> Cox. Yeah, I'm going for Cox. Um, it is actually Box. Yeah, of course box it is. has the telekinetic ability to reshape yeah. metal, plastic and glass, presumably into a box shape. What's um, the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> Just really good at helping his friends move out of their rented houses. Um, um, I can, what name do I get if I can fold any bit of paper into a paper <laughs> aeroplane? Uh, folder? Probably. Folder, right. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooker. They create balls of psionic energy that explode with concussive force. Is it boom boom, bang bang, or click clack? Oh for fuck's sake! <laughs> uh, bang bang. I don't know. Bang bang. Yeah, just go for that. I'm afraid it's boom boom. Of course it is. Like, yeah. when, <laughs> at, at what point when you enrol in Charles Xavier's school for higher <laughs> learning or gifted people or whatever it is? At what point is 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 do you in your studies have to pick your name, your your X Men name? Like, mu- or does he assign it to you based on your power? Does he just assign you one? It'll stuck with it. Maybe they use like Rorschach this, cards and holds up something and says, What does that look like to you? Boom boom. Has <laughs> <laughs> this ever been ad- is this ever been addressed in the comics? Uh I don't know. Maybe. Maybe Got it has. The enrollment process into a secondary school. 
Or maybe it's like when you get to sixth form, like so you can start going on missions a little bit. That's when you have to pick then. Yeah. I don't think you normally get to pick your own nickname, though, do you? I mean, what was the guy that was on the Star Wars podcast with you? Chris Packet Dave. Was that what Paul called him? Yes. Because he collects Chris Packets. So maybe, you know, that's just how it happens. These guys don't pick their own name. They just get assigned it. I was I was expecting a far less innocent story behind that nickname from Paul. What, Chris Packet Dave? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what you're thinking about, Steve, at all. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, but it is back to you now. So you're still 1-0 up. Uh, this character has teleportation and the powers of psychic persuasion. Is it Ariel, Aurora, or Vanisher? Vanisher. It's not Vanisher. It's Ariel. Well, all <laughs> the other ones are like the most <laughs> obvious one. And then the one time I pick the obvious one is not. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid not. But you're still winning. By hook or by crook? I don't. I don't think anyone's winning. Yeah. <laughs> Brooker, this person has enhanced strength, speed, endurance, agility, and senses. So is it Snowblow, Speedball, or Charlie Cluster? <laughs> <laughs> what were they? What was the second one? Uh, speedball. speedball. Yeah, I love that one. I've got no fucking idea. The thing is. There's, there's only one right answer for each question, so Owen's made up two answers on this. <laughs> I have, yeah. But what's impressive is he's made up ones equally as shit as the ones Marvel made. <laughs> I should pitch them, shouldn't I? I should just get in touch with Marvel and say, you know, I've got an idea for a, a superhero called Click Clack and see where Harry it goes. And Harry Ball. Okay, so this is now... Uh, whose question is this one? Oh, this is yours again, Steve. Yeah. And if you get this, then you have won. Right. Brooker cannot get back in this game. Right. Okay, so this person has bones sticking out of her body to use as weapons and armour and that sort of thing. Is it vertebrae, enamel, or marrow? Vertebrae. <gasps> it's marrow. A superhero marrow. So, Brooker, this is your final... Really I, I'm pretty sure I knew that because she's in Deadpool. She... Oh, is she? Yeah. yeah. She, she's, she's in the little... Uh... The little mutant factory in Deadpool. Oh right. Oh, of course she is. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, uh, you don't get a point for that one, but you can get a point for telling me who has constant adaptive evolution powers. Is it Adapto? <laughs> is, it... <laughs> is it Darwin or is it Heathen? Darwin. I refuse to say it's Adapto because no. <laughs> it is Darwin. So we're one piece after five rounds. Wow, we we really suck at this. <laughs> so we're on to the, the tie break. And what I want you to do is tell me how many credited mutants have appeared in the X-Men movies so far, according to the Wikipedia page I looked at earlier. Four. Credited. Yeah. Credited. So all the, like, you know, in X-Men Last Stand, where there's hundreds of them, they don't count. It's only the ones who've got a credit in the uh, the end of the film. Uh, credit roll. You can't eat Deadpool. I'm counting all nine Fox X Men movies. I don't know if Brooke has gone too high. I'm going to go 33. How many did you say, Brooke? 40. Well, you've won because there were 64 what? credited Jesus. mutants. Were any of them hairy balls? 
<laughs> None of them were hairy balls, unfortunately. No. But uh, yeah, that was closest. So, ooh, Brooker, ooh. you've won. Should we move on to some news? Yeah, let's move on. So, um, what has been in the news? Well, um, in Marvel news, they've announced some more members of the Thor Ragnarok cast. So, Tom Hiddleston and Mark Ruffalo will definitely be in it as Loki and Hulk slash Bruce Banner. Not really sure. Kate Blanchett will be in as a villain. And Jeff Goldblum and Carl Urban and Tessa Thompson are all joining to make it quite a heavyweight cast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what Kate Blanchett does as the villain, to be honest. I think that's quite an interesting bit of casting. Mm. Uh, it's very cool. Because mm. she's a really, I mean, she's a good actress. I think we're all sort of happy to admit that, right? No one's got a bad word to say about her acting ability. No, no, not no. at all. No. So I think her as a, like a very charismatic villain would it's, it's just actually quite a genius piece to to throw in there um it's a female villain as well which is quite unusual for marvel i can't think of many main villains in the marvel universe that have been female they've had a couple of like hench women who stood by but uh seems yeah. quite a good idea it'd be interesting to see how they work work hulk into this or bruce banner mm-hmm. or whichever but be interested to see how that gets worked in to the to the plot of this one, as we're not quite sure, obviously, what's happened to him post uh, Age of Ultron, other than he was off in his little plane. Yeah, well, he he wasn't around at all, was he, in uh, the last one? In no, the there was a point so. where what um, General Ross made. Where's Where's Banner and Thor? If I let two nukes go missing, I'd be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And they don't know where. Well, they've got an idea where Thor is. I think they don't know where. Hulk is. So is there yeah. like a timeline for Ragnarok as to whereabouts it sits in the story? Um, it's, 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 it's definitely after Age of Ultron because I think that was the point that oh. Thor made when he left. He's like, I, something's, something's going on. I've been in a weird little spa pool. Uh, I'm, going back <laughs> off, I'm going back off to find out what's happening. But what I mean mm-hmm. is if it's, if it's uh, obviously Thor's going to be in it and if Hulk's confirmed as being in it, does it is it maybe happening at the same time as Civil War's happening? Oh, could I mean, you, you could, same, yeah, you could, you could theoretically have that happen, couldn't you? Because it's happening in another plane of of existence, yeah, a different it's not world. Happening so. on on uh, Thor's Asgard. home, yeah, Asgard. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd have talked around that for ten minutes trying to think. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's all happening it's in all... Asgard. Then you know, it could possibly happen parallel to uh, Civil War or just after Age of Ultron and be a decent explanation as to why those two aren't in Civil War. Mm-hmm. It's it's always good to, to have uh, Tom Hilson as Loki. Yeah, because he's been out of it for a while now. Well, it hasn't been seen since Thor 2, has he? When Although... he uh, appeared as Odin towards the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that suggests that, you know, that bombshell's going to be dropped at some point if Loki's going to be in it as, you know, Hiddleston. Mm. Um, no. And I mean, not, I mean, have we got any in, inclination of what Jeff Goldblum and Carl Urban's roles will be in the film? Or Dread. <laughs> yeah. Dread's coming back. That would be amazing if he just rocked up in Asgard mm. with his helmet in his chin. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that just reminds me, though, actually, because about Carl Urban and how he kept on that helmet throughout Dread, mm. and I've heard about. Um, I've seen a couple of trailers for Preacher, which is out tomorrow in the UK, I think. 
the yeah, Amazon Prime. yeah, it goes live on Amazon Prime like eight o'clock tomorrow morning. I'm I'm considering watching it while I'm at work because the boss is tomorrow. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, it's 23rd of April, uh, May, that is. So the Irish vampire that you'll see in, in Preacher is supposed to have sunglasses on all the time. And there's like an actual specific story reason why he always wears sunglasses. Um, but in all of the trailers so far, he hasn't worn sun- sunglasses, which is a bit strange for anyone who's familiar with the comics. It's a bit of a, a sort of an odd direction to put that character in. So, yeah, but I'm looking forward to Preacher, very much so. Is there seriously the, uh, a character in Preacher called Arseface? Arseface, yeah. He's a. John Wilson Taylor in the Berlin. He literally has an arseface. Uh, not literally, not literally, but okay. he looks like he's got an arse for a face. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it's typical Garth Ennis <laughs> humour, to be honest, but it it works. It's. Although you know, a lot of people criticised the character of Arseface as just being in it for the sake of having a character called Arseface. Um, well, you know, <laughs> call your character Arseface, you're in for a bit of a constructive <laughs> criticism, I think, isn't you? Yeah. <laughs> but that looks, it looks really good, doesn't it? I mean, Dominic oh, Cooper and uh, as uh, Jesse Custer, the uh, preacher who's got the voice of God. It's going to be awesome. I really hope it's going to be anyway. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know anything about the I don't know, are they comic books? Are they graphic novels? I don't know. Uh, well, you know, you can say comic books. It's fine. It's the same uh, thing, really. Depends how so grown I, up you want to be about it. Well, yeah, graphic novels are for people who read comics and don't want to say that they read comics. Mm. They read the trade paperbacks, the collected versions. Therefore, they call them graphic novels, which is essentially yeah. the same, same as saying picture books. So it's not really that grown up, is it? Yeah, but picture books yeah. isn't far away from colouring books, and now you're in real trouble. Mm. <laughs> in other news, the uh, Witch Finally the General is getting a remake produced by Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah, well done. Yep, the yeah. Danish guy who did um, Pusher and most recently did films like Drive and Only God Forgives. Um, uh, he did a film with uh, Mads Mikkelsen called Valhalla Rising. <laughs> Which was, I love Valhalla Rising. Which was very good, wasn't it? Very atmospheric. I know, I, know, I know a lot of people really don't like it, but I I adore that film. I was confused through most of it, but I still oh, liked it. <laughs> well, absolutely. I think I was confused through like the first two times I watched it. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. I still enjoyed watching it. it. I really like it. And I, apart from Only God Forgives, I, I think I actually liked most of Refn's work. Yeah, I quite liked Only God Forgives as well, for the same reason, I think, as Valhalla Rising. In that... It's all about the atmosphere. That's that's what it is. You know, the story is, yeah, I mean, it's fairly oblique, but actually the, the, it's just the way it looks, isn't it? The style, which is okay. Sometimes it's okay for a film to be mostly style. Doesn't necessarily mean it's okay for him to be part of a witch fight in the general remake. Cause Hmm. I mean, that is, you know, that's a bona fide classic, that one. And, not sure that needs a remake. Well, yeah, I mean, quite. I absolutely love Witchfinder General, the 1968 film, um, which is directed by Michael Reeves, who I, th- I can't remember how old he was when he died, but he was about 22, 23. I think he wow. died a few days before Witchfinder General went out. Um, 
got its major release. So um, I think it was, was it banned as well, Witchfinder General? I think it was one of those that was banned in the UK after release. I think release. it was for a little while, yeah. Yeah, but it stars um, Vincent Price as the Witchfinder General, uh, who was a real bloke who lived during the English Civil War and was an infamous uh, witch hunter, killed the most people, the most women, burned them as witches or drowned them um, than anybody else, any of the other like witch hunts in the, the whole country put together. His tally versus that was just uh, sickening, really. But um, the thing about the original Witchfinder General, which I don't know whether people actually realise, but Vincent Price was like well old. When he was playing Anthony yeah. Hopkins, he was really up. But the the real Anthony Hopkins died when he was about sort of thirty, forty, something like that. He didn't live for very long and died by, in obscurity. By, by the real Anthony Hopkins, you don't mean the. We don't mean the Welsh Oscar winner. No, he no, was I don't. Running around drowning yeah. people. Yeah, just to, <laughs> just to clear up. No, yeah. no, he was called Matthew Hopkins. So I've just been describing Anthony Hopkins as one of the most villainous people who's ever existed and has killed hundreds of women no killed, not anthony hopkins no it wasn't it wasn't anthony hopkins it was matthew hopkins i apologize but uh yeah i've got it here as well actually he died when he was 27 wow so he, yeah so he was um yeah so it's a bit odd that vincent price was uh playing anthony hopkins and actually i from what I remember, uh, Michael Reeves didn't want Vincent Price. He was sort of forced to, to Yeah, to that, use... that would have been studio forcing the star power on him, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. And uh, to, to be honest, it worked. Yeah, of course. The it's... thing about um, Vincent Price in that film, where he didn't appreciate taking all this like, instruction from someone so young... Because, you know, Vincent Price was a star. He was a movie star. And he, you know, he was overacting in every scene. And, and Michael Reeves sort of had to keep saying, no, just do it less. Put less emphasis on it. Do it a bit more sedately. And he says, you know, who, who are you to tell me what you've done? I've been in hundreds of films. And Michael Reeves says, yeah, no, I'm going to put you in a good film. <laughs> and he's sort of like, because he had that confrontation with him, I think Vincent Price apparently sort of uh, took it on board, took the instruction on board a little bit. Had a bit more respect for him. And it turns out being, to be one of his best performances. It's a, it's a really good role from Vincent Price. Yeah, it's one of the few that I can name off the top of my head that I really enjoyed watching. That and uh, Mask of the Red Death are the ones that always oh, come yeah. to the top of my mind whenever I think of them. Yeah. yeah. But the, with regards to the actual remake, my initial reaction was one that was just like, why? Just leave it alone. It's a classic English folk horror. It doesn't need a remake. Um, but actually... I think if it's going to be somebody to take charge of the project, there are worse people than Nicholas Winding Refn to do it. At least oh, it's Michael him. Bay could be doing it for you. <laughs> yeah, God. But, you know, it's someone who's got this sense of atmosphere, um, even though he's only producing and not directing, as far as I'm aware. But, you know, it could be uh, someone like... I said. I think I said on Twitter at the time when I found out, you know, as long as it's someone with a, a sense of what makes... A good film, whether it's horror or thriller or what, uh, as opposed to someone like Lionsgate taking it on and doing a really shit like for like remake. Well, yeah, well, Lionsgate would go just paint by numbers, wouldn't they, and fuck it up? Exactly. Yep. A 12A slash 15 rated horror film with a few jump scares. Yeah, we, we mean, all were, 
We all remember the Amateur Horror starring Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. Mm. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, talking of remakes, the first of many trailers that we might want to talk about at the moment mm-hmm. uh, is the, the second trailer for the Ghostbusters remake, reimagining. Well, it's definitely it's not a sequel. Mm-hmm. It's not set in the same universe as the the original Ghostbusters film, which makes make, the trailer get off on a bad foot for me because it's this starts with like four something years ago four friends answered the call now four more do it or something it's just like well they're meant to be two <laughs> completely separate films like you're not meant to be linking them together i think i would have preferred it if they had why why you do it in the trailer this is it's meant to be separate i think i would have preferred it if there was some link between the Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ghostbuster film, and these ones. You mean if one's like this a, one. the niece of one of the originals? or Not even, not even that, maybe. It's just it's somehow that, that you know, they the, go, the original Ghostbusters don't do it anymore for some reason, and then these ones take it up, and then, you know, there's a cameo or something from the original, some of the original ones is sort of like, it's only a cameo, but there's a link. I would have preferred it if there's a definite link. It wasn't just a reimagining. It was a. It it just it could have been tenuous. It could have just been really brief, and they're barely involved in the film at all. They don't like come back and help save the day or anything. Just like a cameo, like them handing it over or whatever. I just think I would have preferred it if it's linked together. But yeah, the trailer doesn't look good. The the argument that seems to have been put forward by people defending the trailer is that it's. It's and it ties into this point about them being connected with the old films. Is that it's not supposed to be for fans of the originals. This is supposed to be a Ghostbusters for a new generation of people. It's meant to be for the young kids who will see it. And you know, the big defender of the film is the fact that it's got this all female cast, and therefore it's giving role models to. Um, well, I'm going to say young girls, but also young girls, young boys, young people, really. They just happen to be female, which is quite showing, a big statement. showing young women can grow up to fight ghosts. <laughs> but I think more than that, it's showing that young girls, you know, eventually you can lead big comedies. It's not just blokes. You can you can find funny women and all that stuff. Um, so, but, but you know, I'm happy but, to applaud all it right, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen the film yet. But based on the trailer, make a funny film and inspire them even more. <laughs> yeah, so that's my next. And that's point. coming from me because I like I like Melissa McCarthy. I haven't seen her in too much, but Inspire, I love Spy. I thought Spy was a really good comedy, and she and she was good in it. And Bridesmaids was surprisingly funny as well. Yeah, and that's um, same um, director, most of the same cast. I mean, but that's, when, but that's when she's not going for like not lowest common denominator, but like the obvious jokes, like you know, Ooh, I'm. I'm yeah. I'm a fat woman, so this is the joke that I'm making about being a fat woman. That's mm. just it's like in a trailer. There's one with the 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 um the the black woman. I don't know the actress's name. Not, I think she's probably she's probably famous in America, but I don't think she's. Made I think she's part UK of that yet. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Saturday Night Live cast yeah. member, isn't she? But she uh... There's that, there's part part of the trailer where she goes. I don't know if it's a a race thing or a woman thing, but man, it's just like the easiest joke. It's not even funny. It's just too obvious and too easy. I look forward to such classic lines from her as "Oh hell no" and "Damn," or yeah. "Held" or "Held to the no." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I don't know whether that is intentionally satirical with 
the, the line because you know people so. have been criticizing it for being women oh, almost certainly that one bit has been put in there just to kind of you know shots fired against all the the mm-hmm. people that are so, bitching about it because it's Ghostbusters so with it, all women. Is it, is, it, is it satirical as a line in in uh, Apocalypse? Well, the third one's always the worst. Oh, yeah, it wasn't that good line. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. That was subtle, like a kick in the face. There was this, <laughs> we'll come on to this later, but there was this, this group of um, lads who were sat next to me in the cinema when I saw Apocalypse. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse, and every... Because there's tons of little lines like that throughout the film, isn't there? Lots of yeah. knowing nods and winks to stuff that's happened in other films or in the comics or is, you know, what fans have sort of alluded to. And every little thing like that, he would do that muttly sort of laugh. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> and it would every single time. I mean, I don't mind people enjoying a film, of course. I am a bit of a curmudgeon, but, you know, I can... Fair enough, you're enjoying the film, but every single time. Do you, you know don't what, need the audio do you know to everybody. Shut, do you know what would shut him up? What? Just, just leant forward to his seat and just gone, hey, mate, you ever kissed a girl? <laughs> <laughs> that would have ruined his I day. Like wouldn't laugh of, again. I, I just love the idea of Owen scrapping with some teenager in a dark cinema. He wasn't a teenager. He was in his 20s, but it was just every, every line. Yeah. <sighs> But anyway, yeah, so back on track. So the the thing about Ghostbusters is I'm fine with it existing. I don't really care that it's been remade anymore. I'm not that bothered. I, I even applaud the fact they're trying to do something for a new audience, a new generation of people so that they can have their Ghostbusters just like we had ours. I'm not that selfish that I'm saying, no, this is my childhood and you can't have anything similar. But I don't think it excuses... Ghostbusters from criticism and there's been people who okay there are idiots online who are saying oh it's shit why have they remade it why has it got an all-female cast that's wrong well that is is I don't yeah to criticize it for that is you just you're an imbecile however I mean if they want to make Magic Mike with an all-female cast then I'm all for it (laughs) (laughs) well Jesus fucking Christ that's an awful film but Um, I mean the thing with the the guy, the people screaming that the film's going to be shit because it's got all women in it. Clearly, don't know the people starring in it. You know, some yep. of them are quite fun. I'm, I'm a, I love Melissa McCarthy, and I said this the other day when the second trailer came out. I'm really starting to. I hate the fact that I don't look forward to her films anymore because the last couple that she's made have just been guff. And did you not? Did you, did you not like Spy? Did you? See I thought Spy? Spy was okay. I like uh, Spy. But it, it could have been much better, but the thing with Spy was I actually thought Jason Statham was the best bit of Spy. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but I love her. Like she's she's in that sitcom and she's like Mike and Molly, which and which I adore. I think it's great. But the problem with Ghostbusters is it just looks like Paul Feig, Feig, Feig. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Feig. Uh, just just looks like he's making the same film he's been making since he first made Bridesmaids and got hit, uh, and he's what? just set it in a different place again. I. You know, like you say, it's okay for people to have their Ghostbusters. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not that emotionally attached to Ghostbusters. I really like it. I don't, you know, I, I don't care that much. It's being remade. I, I'm, but like you say, it doesn't excuse a bad film. Mm. You know, and yeah. if your film's going to be shit, your film's going to be shit. And actually, what concerns me more is that it will kind of get, uh, especially in kind of 
the horrible depths of the internet. If it turns out to be a shit film, everybody that calls it a shit film will just be branded a fucking woman-hating rapist. And I think that's an awful way for it to end up. And I've actually, I've heard, I, I don't know where I read it, and this might be completely untrue, but I was reading, someone was saying that Sony or whoever it is that runs the the YouTube account that the trailers are going up for are actually removing real criticism from the comments, so it looks like it's only sexist. Oh, I really? I, I don't know how true that is. It's just literally, I think somebody in a video game group that I'm part of said it. Uh, but true or not, that would be fucking awful. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how true that would be, but I just, um... I don't, I don't want. Is that I really, you know, I'll go and see the film because I, like I say, I love Melissa McCarthy and I want her to be in a good film. But if it, if it's as shit as it looks like it's going to be, people need to be allowed to say that it's just crap because it's not mm. well made or it's not well directed or it's just not funny, and not be, you know, branded sexists, which mm-hmm. is really getting on my tits. Well, this is the this is the thing, really. I mean, I'm going to go in with an open mind as well. I I hate to judge a film solely by the trailer. We're not actually talking about the film, of course. We're talking about the trailer. The trailer doesn't look certain good. as well. The trailer for Ghostbusters one makes the makes the original look shit too. So mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, trailers do that. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, they just don't know how to use trailers these days. Talking of trailers, let's get through a few more. So we've had Star Trek Beyond. A third of the Abrams-produced Star Trek films, that's come out, and I think it looks fine. I've enjoyed the last two. Or the, of the, of the, I'm not a Trekkie, though. I, I believe Trekkies are not overly fond of them, especially uh, the Wrath of Khan remake. <laughs> Into Darkness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, with yeah. no apostrophe or colon or semicolon or yeah. hyphenation. Into just Darkness. Star Trek Into Darkness, Darkness, yeah, and Star Trek Beyond, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My young brother's a Trekkie, and he actually he quite likes the new films. You know, I don't think all. I like the. I like the first one, um, especially. I think that was quite a good way of introducing people who aren't Trekkie into what it's all about, who the characters are, and it was quite fun. Good action film, like good sci-fi action film, and the second one I thought was was good as well, but not not as good. Um, I can see why the the Khan bit would would grate, especially as all the, in the lead up. No, he's not playing Khan. No, he's not playing Khan. He's not playing Khan. Oh wait, he is, he is. yeah, yeah, <laughs> fake fake out. No, it's not really though, is it? Because everyone knew, and you just lied. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a Trekkie, but I do enjoy the original films uh, to to an extent, and I enjoyed Star Trek Into Darkness uh, at the cinema, and I watched it again not long afterwards at home, and I thought, Christ, what did I enjoy about that? That was not a good film. Um, I think they're very cinematic. It'll probably look great uh, at the cinema because it's all this flashy CGI, and it looks like a proper good sci-fi. Who's um, making it? Isn't it like a Fast and the Furious director making it? Yeah, uh, Lin, whatever his name is. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. The made Tokyo Drift. Yes. Hmm. And the Fast and the Furious, I think. Did he do the first one, or did he do... Anyway. He might have, yeah, he's part of that franchise anyway. As, as Simon Pegg writ or rewrit the script, so, or rewrote even, yeah. to be correct. Well, it might, it might be okay. I'm, like, again, I'll go in with an open mind and, you know, I'll hope more than expect it to be good. But um... Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, give, I'll certainly give it a try. I wasn't convinced by Into Darkness. I, I think 
The first one I really enjoyed because it was a really cool reboot, and for a non-Trekkie, I really liked it. But I forgave it a lot because it was it had a massive, rabid audience to uh to keep happy. Mm-hmm. So you know the the little the throwbacks and things I was okay with. But then when when they've done it again in the second one, I was like, well, you should be okay with your film standing on its own now. You, should, yeah. you shouldn't be shouldn't be pandering uh, and i think they pandered a bit in into darkness didn't make it a shit film just made it a, not as good as the first one film just have to see if abrams does the same with see if abrams does the same with star wars 8 oh yeah mm. um mm. but abrams doesn't make as, 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 does he? He, no he's, he's just he's producing involved, i think but yeah as much as i loved force awakens he was it was like a new hope beat for beat more or less well, this was it, wasn't it? It was it was bringing Star Wars back to almost mm. back to zero, so that you so you could ignore yeah. the shit from before. New fans can enjoy. So you know, you see, maybe, maybe they do make a really good second one though. You, mm. you never know. I got faith, but anyway, that's irrelevant. Uh, any other <laughs> trailers to go through quickly? When I was in the cinema for X Men, I saw the, the second trailer for the new Independence Day. And I can't wait. And no, that's, not even based on, that's not even based on the trailer. That's just based on Independence Day as a movie. Oh, it, looks, I want... it looks good. It looks so good. Wait. And I read, because there's meant to be another one, isn't there? There's going to be a second sequel. Is that? Yes, I believe you know so. Yeah. I believe they did. So. They always rumoured that, uh, they always yeah. said that Emmerich wanted to make two and three back to back, didn't they? Yeah. Well, I reckon if they do a third one, Big Willie Star will be back for that. And I know yeah. they said they've killed him off. But nah, we're in, a, we're in a film where there's aliens coming invading the Earth. Somehow he's gonna have to. He's gonna. There's something going on. He's on a secret mission or something, or maybe he was teleported somehow. But he's not gonna be dead. He's gonna come back in the third one, Big Willie style. Well, we'll see about that. Welcome <laughs> to Earth. <laughs> I did see the trailer for the Purge election year, as well. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah I'm, I'm well excited for that as well. I think. Um, it looks a bit more political, as you get. I probably, you know, assume from the title. It looks more political than the previous, uh, the Purge Anarchy, which itself was pretty good. The I enjoyed films, uh, yeah. Purge Anarchy. This is quite fun, aren't they? The Purge films. Mm. Well, the first one was a bit shit. I, I didn't like the first one that much, but Anarchy was basically the Punisher, mm-hmm. I, which I really enjoyed. But you, you're right; it's a, it's still a political film, and it? it's got a lot of uh, uh, social commentary to it. And obviously, yeah. you know, being in an actual election year with an actual mm-hmm. crazy motherfucker running for president, uh, this could be really, really good if they uh, if they tried to mirror that a little bit in the Purge Three. But yeah, as, as long know, as they don't be too subtle with it, if they just you know if they just take it as uh, people are going to assume this and just run with it, yeah, then it'll be yeah, it'll be better. Uh, I, I'm I'm still surprised now, and I've watched this trailer a few times. I'm surprised now that I'm at a point where I'm excited. For a second Lionsgate sequel to something. <laughs> what the mm. fuck is that about? Mm-hmm. It's breakneck. It's it, you know it doesn't let up at all really. It's it's a it's a shitload of fun. I really like it. So I know for what we've been watching, we look at films we've seen over the last week or so that aren't necessarily new releases. Um, Owen, why don't you start us off? Okay, so uh, I had uh, my usual flick through Netflix to see what had recently been added um, when it was late one evening and I just had uh, an hour and a half until I thought I'd go to bed. There must be something on there that's 90 minutes long. And I noticed that Return of the Living Dead has been added, so I gave that a rewatch. 
Uh, it's directed by Dan O'Bannon, uh, based very loosely on a story by John Russo, who, as we all know, co-created Night of the Living Dead with George A. Romero in 1968, 18 years before Return of the Living Dead came out. Um, so, you know, as I hope we're all aware, because I've mentioned it enough times on the podcast over the years, the film is called Return of the Living Dead because John Russo owns the rights to the title Living Dead, which is why all of Romero's sequels are just Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead or Land of the Dead, etc., rather than like Dawn of the Living Dead and so on. So, yeah, a bit of trivia for you, for you there. Although, uh... I will say quite on purpose, I think Dan O'Bannon made Return of the Living Dead completely different in tone to any of Romero's movies so that they wouldn't be that closely associated. When you, when you say Dan O'Bannon, are we talking about the same guy that wrote Alien? Yeah, he didn't direct much though, I don't think. This is like one of only a few. Yeah, this he... is three. There's three on his list. One of them is a short called Bloodbath. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like I say, it it is tonally different to George A. Romero's films, but it's still connected, like directly connected to Night of the Living Dead, at least. Because, uh, well, unlike Romero's films, Return of the Living Dead is is barely satirical at all. So there's that that differentiates it still. You know, maybe it is a somewhat satirical about youth culture and excess and stuff like that, but it's more just like a full-blown B-movie horror comedy. And uh, But part of its conceit is that the original 1968 film was footage of real-life mass zombie outbreaks, but was covered up by the government and disguised as a movie. You know, it was put out as a horror movie so people wouldn't believe it was real. So that's the whole sort of premise. Right? So the plot to Return of the Living Dead starts off by following a couple of uh, chaps working at a medical supply warehouse who unwittingly release a deadly gas into the atmosphere after fiddling with a metal drum in the basement of where they work that was accidentally delivered there by the army. And the vapours cause an acid rain to pour down on the local graveyard where some youths are hanging about, which causes in turn the dead to reanimate as they go on a rampage and scream for their favourite food, which is, of course, brains. And uh, it leads to the group being separated. The majority of the film takes place inside a locked, boarded up uh, local mortuary. So in some ways it is kind of similar. You know, there's a graveyard, there's uh, people locked inside a house, they're barricading themselves in. uh, But it's just nothing like the original Night of the Living Dead. It is so much more... 80s, <laughs> you know, it's completely <laughs> over the top. So yeah, I'm also I'm pretty sure the concept of zombies eating brains came from this film as well, which is pretty crazy considering it came out in like 1985. Um, so long after zombie films had entered popular culture, which is kind of cool, I guess. You know, it's the first time you really hear zombies talking and saying brains, I want to eat your brains, that kind of thing. Um, and the whole brains thing has kind of followed zombies on ever since, hasn't it? Exactly. Everything from The Simpsons and South Park and, you know, other zombie films have, yeah, sort of borrowed that idea. But every time I see Return of the Living Dead, I'm reminded of, you know, talk about how much of a comedy it is, but I forget just how dark it is as well. I mean, <laughs> yes, it's ridiculous. Yes, it's over the top. It's camp. Uh, it has a lot of fun at its own expense. 
but it's really just bleak and horrible. And, you know, you've got the half-zombie woman who's uh, strapped to the table in the mortuary, talking about how being dead is to be in constant agony and eating brains is the only relief they can get from the pain. I mean, isn't that just like a fucking horrendous and frightening notion? That yeah, it's a, that's... a terrifying idea, isn't it? It's the, keep it's... you up at night. It is, yeah. I mean, the you know, in Dawn of the Dead, there's you know, there's no more room in hell, so the dead walk the earth, right? That's a famous line from Dawn of the Dead, which itself is, it plays on the whole idea of the religious aspect of it. Whereas this is just like, no, being dead is just the most agonising pain, and you can't do anything about it unless you are reanimated and eat the brains of the living. It's just so dark and twisted, but the effects that are used throughout the film are amazing as well. Particularly on things like that, um, that that half woman strapped to a table that I was talking about, or all the zombie makeup, or you know, it's just it's just great, and it's yes, it's gory, it's but it's so well constructed and so precise, you know, everything from the the corpses that burst through the graves uh, to probably the most well known zombie from the film, the the freakish tar man who lumbers oh, yeah. around the basement. Uh, Man, just such a fucking creepy character. He scared the living shit out of me when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> just the, uh, it's horrific. Um, and in fact, though, I think that's what's quite good about it is it is a scary, scary film in like multiple ways. It's not just a jump scare. It's not just a scary idea. It's just a, uh, it just, it's one of those films that is is funny in places but can when it wants to make the hair stand up on the back of your neck by being just so ugh, disgusting. Um, so yeah, so it's just a really good B movie. It's got sex, it's got violence, it's got gore, comedy, and, and it's got character as well, which is the most sort of crucial element. So it's, it's a perfect combination really. So yeah, Return of the Living Dead is just, uh, it's a great little B movie zombie film. Okay, well, I've watched a couple of the old X-Men films not so old I suppose but um, with Apocalypse coming out kind of went back and watched a couple uh, so I watched the first X-Men film to be released in the in the series do you think Owen when you're doing the quiz it is nine films deep now is it? Yeah uh, X-Men X2 The Last Stand Wolverine Origins um, Wolverine Goes to Japan Wolverine Goes to Japan First Class Days of Future Past Deadpool and Apocalypse yeah, there you go. Um, I can't remember the year now the first one was released, but it was certainly pre. It was pre MCU, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was two thousand. So the like uh, it was yeah. it moved from when the nineties were full of films like um, Judge Dredd and Spawn and um, all those shitty you know generic mm. uh, comic book films to. Brian Singer with X Men, and then of course Spider Man came out after as well. I mean, so I really, a... I, I really liked X Men. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd obviously seen some of the older Batman films, but yeah, these these perhaps the first superhero films to make an impression on me, because the Batman films I'd seen when I was a bit younger, not really seen the older Superman films at that point, and they hadn't really done a newer version at that point. So yeah. I thought it was great that you had Patrick Stewart and, and Sir Ian McKellen as the two leads in a superhero film because it's not their background to do... I know Patrick Stewart's done Star Trek and 
things, but it's not kind of their background to do films like that. They're kind of more theatre actors, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So to have them in, in as two lead roles and two quite interesting characters in a superhero film, something that they're obviously not against doing, and they wouldn't have done it, but something that you wouldn't necessarily... If you were casting it yourselves before this had ever been made, you wouldn't have ever put those two in, would you? I think Professor, uh, Professor X and uh, Patrick Stewart have got... They're, they're very similar <laughs> in the way they look. So it made perfect sense. But, yeah, you're right. You wouldn't have... He wouldn't have jumped out at you to say, yeah, no. Patrick Stewart's our Professor X. Similarly, yeah. I guess, as Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Because yeah. Wolverine was, of course, a short, hairy, angry, ugly little man. And they cast the tall, handsome, you know, manly man of Hugh Jackman. In the and, role. Just said, and just said to him, can you grow, grow some sideburns, mate? Yeah. And never yeah, wear a mask. That is, I mean, he's, he's picked up that ball and run with it so well that now, you know, if you, if you even mention the idea of maybe recasting Wolverine when Hugh Jackman's done, it's like blasphemy, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. For people who read or even pay attention to the comics, um, have they then altered his appearance in the comics? So, like you said, he's meant to be a short, hairy, angry little man. Now Hugh Jackman has been such a success playing Wolverine. Have they altered him in the comics to be like a more handsome person? Mm, no, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. It's still in the comics. Is there are differences, but I mean, I don't read Marvel that much to be honest. To know, I mean, I picked I mean, up I've, a couple I've, of. X-Men I've seen things. I've seen some of the car some of the odd episode of a cartoon series when it's been on mm-hmm. television or something, and he's certainly more of a Hugh Jackman appearance in that. I think in those. Mm. But even in the original '90s cartoon, mm. he he was you know I used to watch that when I was growing up. It was one of my favourite cartoons, and um, Wolverine in that was different, completely different. So even I thought at the time that Hugh Jackman, who was this tall guy, I mean I can remember because you know how old would we have been back then, Steve? Thirteen, fourteen. Uh, so it was just like. Mm. Even I was aware that Hugh Jackman as Wolverine was a bit strange. Yeah. Because he was just not the Wolverine I had in mind. And I remember being pissed off that he never had a mask. You know, you rarely saw Wolverine out of the mask. You rarely saw Logan. You always saw the blue and black, yellow, red costume of Wolverine. Mm. So, but yeah, I mean, like Brooker says, he's just uh, synonymous with the character now. You can't really separate them. I think the three leads in that really, the characters, so Professor X, Magneto, Wolverine, they're quite interesting characters, which is what helps the film quite a bit as well. And, and Magneto is, he kind of sympathises him to an extent, because while he's obviously the bad guy, the enemy, and he's doing all these terrible things, his motives for it are kind of not in the wrong place, because he's just sort of like mutants are being... Um, not exploited, they're being kind of victimised and, and and hated upon, and he's just trying to do the best for his his race. He just goes about it in a terrible way. Well, he's and, the and Malcolm X to Professor X's, um, you know, Martin Luther King, isn't he? Yeah. One's very diplomatic and the other one's very radical. Yeah, yes. Mm. And, and you can see, even in Apocalypse we'll come to later, we can, you can see why you can see why he's, he's got some of his motives, why he does some of the things he does. Or why he's not happy and all that. But uh, and then and then I watched Days of Future Past as well. It's the second one of the new timeline with McAvoy and Fassbender as as Charles mm-hmm. Xavier and 
um, Eric Nejna. Um, and I, I think first class or third class was certainly better. But And I think Days of Future Park gets a bad rap from some people. But I still enjoyed it. It had the introduction of, of, of the X-Men universe's Quicksilver, which was, which was brilliant. Um, but I do think they went a bit Jennifer Lawrence heavy with it. Star power. Mm. That's what it was, kind I of, think. Kind yeah. of, well, they like her in the Hunger Games. Let's get her front and centre on this one. Probably. Yep. It's kind of like, you don't need to. Just... She looks so bored in it as well. That was the biggest problem with her in, in days. <laughs> she just literally she's there going, "I'm only here because I signed a really shit contract before I had Hunger Games money." I just like the I just like the idea of them obviously the timelines, um, and they you know going back and um, and you freshen it up with the two new actors who are both brilliant and and what the films need if they do any more of these they really need to just focus on the relationship between Professor X and Magneto. They need to be the focus of it. Bin off Jennifer Lawrence or just you know make her a secondary character because they're the two main ones who are just... No matter how good Days of Future Past Apocalypse First Class are, those two are brilliant as those two characters. They make it, really. Yeah. Fassbender definitely makes it. I'm, I've never, I'm still not convinced by McAvoy as Xavier. Uh, I do like McAvoy normally. I think I, that I don't he... mind him. I, you know, I, I prefer. Like, I think the first thing I remember seeing him in was probably Wanted, which I really liked, and I liked him in it. Mm-hmm. But as I think the the problem was that he was a bit like whoever it is that's going to be the guy taking over from Hugh Jackman. He's the guy that took over from Patrick Stewart, and oh no, that's <laughs> fuck you, dude. Absolutely not. I'm not saying he's playing it badly, but he does need to stop touching his face. <laughs> every right, whenever he... he uses his psychic powers. Yeah, every time he touches his face, it drives me up the fucking wall. So, Brooker, what have, what have you seen? I've seen a really manly film. As <laughs> I, in it's uh, full of men. <laughs> as in it's full of men. I sat and watched uh, Magic Mike XXL, so the sequel to the original Magic Mike film, which I quite liked. I Not XXL, Magic Mike. I quite liked the first Magic Mike film. I thought it was a bit of fun. I actually found it quite funny. Uh, and actually, I know a lot of people disagree with me, but it actually had a story and characters that I could follow and care about. And it was not anywhere near the Chippendales the movie I thought it was going to be. Unfortunately, Magic Mike XXL absolutely is that film. <laughs> right. It's, so that's the apology for people who went to see Soderbergh's other film and thought, what the hell is this? Well, this is it. So this, the people that went to see Magic Mike and thought, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to leave wet patches on the cinema seats and shit. You know, maybe they did, but it wasn't a Chippendale movie. This one absolutely is. It's all about just abs on the screen. And, you know, I I wanted mm. a story. I I feel bad enough about myself without that just shoved at me. That's kind of what I've heard about the two films. The first one was, was surprisingly really good. I mean, it's just even Soderbergh films that probably should have been good, but you know people are just going into it. Perhaps it's marketed wrong, thinking oh it's a film about male strippers. They're just going like just going to see some men take their tops off. But actually the characters are really well developed. The plot was really good as well. And then the second one was kind of just like a a cheap cash in, not maybe maybe even a parody where it was just men taking their shirts off. And the and thing is, it wasn't clever enough really, or 
smart enough to be a parody. It was just we, you know, we got everybody in by selling you this film about male strippers. Uh, so we're just going to give you a film about male strippers. And mm. outside of you know the story and Soda, I mean, I've got a love-hate relationship with Steve Soderbergh. I only like maybe half of his films, but you know, Magic Mike is one of the ones I really like. But he, because he didn't make this, his longtime producer did. It's a guy called Gregory Jacobs, who I don't think knows how to make anything good. He, uh, the direction's just terrible, and the writing's fucking awful. And weirdly, actually, the thing it's missing more than anything is Matthew McConaughey. Because Matthew McConaughey decided not to come back for this one, and he's a really cool character in the first film. He's kind of like there, I think they call it an MC, so he's the guy that goes out and gets everybody worked up before the dancers come out, and he's just got this... Character. Oh, you think you think is that's what he's called? I mean, it's not personal experience of these... No, it's not personal experience, not not at all. No. You're not the MC to normal events? Is that not... No, I've no. I've been misinformed. <laughs> No, I, I just kind of hide in the back and, and look. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it's missing this guy who, who oozes character. Uh, and whether or not you, you like that kind of film, you know, McConaughey is very good in it, as is everybody else. You know, people like uh, Channing Tatum and Joe Mangiello, I think, are really, really cool and they're really funny. In this film, they're just... I think even they know that, oh, we're just here just to get abs out and grind. Or we'll just get this over and done with for uh, hour and 40 minutes and be gone. It's not a good film. It's a really, really poor sequel to what was a surprisingly fun movie. I just, Callum, I was so Callum cool. will fight you. Callum can fight <laughs> me is, all he wants. Magic Mike XXL was a massive waste of time. I've seen better film on Tramp's teeth. Our one and only main review this week is X-Men Apocalypse. The ninth film in the X-Men series, the third in the kind of alternate... Is it an alternate timeline, or are these kind of basically flashback films? How's it all working? I do not... Yeah. Ask, ask Deadpool. Yeah. The... Yeah, I mean... I don't think there's a definitive answer. I think what happened with Days of Future Past was that, that there are multiple timelines, and you can cross over between them but they aren't necessarily connected. So you can interpret that how you like, really. Yeah. So um, the chronology is that they are separate, but the same. Um, anyway, I... I, I, right up. <laughs> I I thought the film was okay. It was my least favourite of these three with McAvoy and Fassbender. I did not enjoy it. It wasn't. I wasn't like on the edge of my feet. See, I didn't enjoy anything like I enjoyed, say, the last superhero film, which was Civil War. But that was, you know, almost perfection in terms of superhero films, in my opinion. But I, I thought it was okay, but not not as good as um, Doff or First Class. Doff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought it was probably the second best of the three. Doff was um, problematic for me in that it was trying to be very convoluted. It had too many characters without knowing what to do with most of them mm. and became very uh, reliant on characters like Wolverine again. You know, at least at least here he's in it, but only as a bit of deus ex machina at one point. He helps them out. 
really, when they're in a bit of a tight jam. But the, you know, the, this had more focus on development of the characters. And actually, I think it was directed pretty well. I think it looked good. It was very um, cohesive. The story was much more fluid than, than Doth. And it was. It, I just seemed to enjoy it a bit more. Uh, I quite I quite like the 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 new character to recast. I say, can't say I was overly keen on on Sansa Stark as as Jean Grey, but I quite liked um, the girl who played Storm. Um, quite like the guy who was playing Cyclops. I thought they were quite good. I thought Nightcrawler. He it was no a bit different, mm. not in a bad way. It was good to see more of Quicksilver. I think his he had a scene that stole the film again, like he did in Doth. Yeah, Evan was, Peters. Yeah, his, uh, he, yeah. his thing was amazing, and I, I have to admit, like the film, I thought the film was okay. I quite liked it, but his his little scene, I was grinning my ass off all the way through. It just it just made me smile. It was so well done, and just a little bit of fun. I really liked his bit. It was like it was like his one in um, Days of Future Past, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just mm-hmm. it kind of stole the film. Um, but you got was to see in, more of this one. Was, yeah. And his character was developed more in, in this one as well. So, the, Yeah, I mean, the problem that they have had over the past couple of X-Men films is introducing some of these characters and then killing them off or never returning to some of them. Banshee, for example, was great in the, the first uh, X-Men, first class. He was really yeah. good in that. And then, obviously, was, for reasons that I'm not going to spoil, unable to come back again for the rest. And it's just like... There's, the, the, they have had this thing where, um, what was the, uh, fuck, the woman in the Days of Future Past, the short woman uh, who does the mind-bending things. Oh, sends uh, the... Bird from Juno. Yeah, her. I can't, that's really bad. This, I'm really, this is really unprofessional. I'm very sorry. I've forgotten we're, her we're name. We're really, really shit at this. <laughs> we're really bad. Ty Sheridan with Scott Summers, I thought, again, I thought he was quite good. I thought he had a, a fair bit to do and did it quite ably. Yeah. Um, you know, Nicholas Holt back as Hank McCoy or Beast was, was pretty good. Um, Rose Byrne was just there. She didn't really do anything. She do, do, you know what, do you know what took me out of the film a bit? And this, well, this happens sometimes. So, so Angel or Arch, Archangel was was who's played by the guy who played Ian Beale's son in EastEnders. See, I did not have that connection. I didn't know that he was and from it, EastEnders till I read just, his review on the website. And it just to be took fair, me out I didn't film. know he was from EastEnders till I read his IMDb page. <laughs> but it just took me out the film because that's Pete Beale. What's Pete Beale doing at X Men? This is mental. You don't see people from EastEnders in big films like that. Was he a bare knuckle boxer in um, EastEnders as well? No, of course not. <laughs> it's just like, what what is going on here? This doesn't make sense to me. A year yeah. ago, he was trying to work out who killed Lucy Bill, and now he's in action. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I actually felt a little bit aggrieved with his character as well. Uh, Warren Worthington, I think his character's called in the comics because he was a bit wasted, really. Because Warren was one of the original uh, X-Men. Uh, yeah. But in this, he's just like this well, I mean, all, open-jacketed all the, 80s guy. All of, the, for, all of the four horsemen, bar uh, Magneto, were, yeah. were, were wasted a bit. They were just kind of there for the sake of being there. They were all a, just a little bit shit, weren't they? Mm. Should we talk about Olivia Munn's costume as well? 
Because what was that? Well, the thing <laughs> is, the thing, the thing is, why, why has she got a costume like that and Storm doesn't? So, mm. why, why would you not have the set? What, what's the reason for it? Doesn't make any sense. They either both have costumes like that, or, or neither of them do. It doesn't make thing... sense why one, one would, and one wouldn't. It's this thing about comic books that really fucking annoys me like so much that to the point that I don't pick up much mainstream comics anymore because I'm just sick of this sort of thing. It is the like over sexualization of predominantly the female characters, you know. Okay, they give all the male characters abs and large like biceps and stuff, but that's because it's names not like supposed to... And hairy balls and... <laughs> but that's not to sexualise them, is it? That's to sort of glorify them as, like, this is the prime uh, example that, of a that, man. Yeah, Whereas, empowerment, that one, isn't it? It's Yeah, it's, it's just like, because that's the basis, I guess, of where they've come from. Whereas the female characters don't get that. What they get is tiny leotards with completely shaved muffs who are just <laughs> meant to be... You know, seen as these sexual things, and that that really annoys me in, in comic books. And I had a I had a conversation about this with a friend of mine before, who I didn't realise was friendly with uh, Kieran Gillen on Twitter, who is a comic book writer, writes lots of Marvel stuff, and is is often held up as being this guy who helps move on this image of characters. Um, and I complained about one of the comics of his that I read to my friend and said that. I didn't like how it treated the women in it. I thought the the female characters, again, like considering he's supposed to be this progressive writer, they were just meant to be sexy, and that was it. And it's like it doesn't. It just it feels icky, and you know you can write female characters without having to get them it, to have massive chests, to have really small waists, and be very slim, and just constantly talking about men, right? And you. My friend then told Kieran Gillen that I'd said this, whose response was that I was being um, ridiculous because your female characters can be sexy, that it's not sexist to make them that way. And I was like, it was missing the point. It's missing the point. It's just like giving them these skimpy costumes is, it's not good. <laughs> and it... No, there's a difference between sexy and sexualized. Yeah, and, and I, it's I just... I think that's the point. I think the problem actually is, you know, uh, comic books aren't the only thing video games have been a, a, a thing for this they've done this for a long long time and they they are to a point there are some like publications and, and game developers that are trying to come away from that but the problem is actually X, it's, and it's indicative of X-Men's problem in general is it's still stuck in the year 2000 mm-hmm. it, it's still stuck in a time when it was maybe not acceptable but people just kind of went nah it's just comics or nah like- it's just games but like even in the original X-Men, again, like just Steve said about Storm in this film, Storm in that X-Men from 2000 was not in a skimpy little costume. No. You know? But her character in the comics isn't in a skimpy little costume. Skip forward to first class and you've got Emma Frost who walks around in a bra. Yeah. Because that's what her character does in the comics. It's like, just, you can change it, you know. You haven't got to give her just a, a bra and a you know, a little jacket that goes over her, her, her shoulders. You can give her an actual cool-looking costume that can still be, you know, sexy. She's a very good-looking woman, of course. Uh, Similarly here with Psylocke, you haven't got to make her was, wear was this that, tiny little leotard and, was, like, was, thigh hot boots. Was that what... Is that what Psylocke wears in the comics? Yeah, that it's very similar. 
from the images that I've seen. Yeah, from what I remember. I mean, that, perhaps, perhaps that's a, at least there, at least there is some reasoning for it. Then I mean, maybe it doesn't excuse it completely, but if that's how she dresses in the comics, maybe they just that maybe that's why they've done it. They're going, well, this is how she dresses in the comics, so that's how she's got to dress in the in the film. Okay, okay so then not, Wolverine's going to wear a mask forever now because well, no, that's... not the defender. <laughs> but least, no, but at least there's at least there's a bit of justification for it rather than she's hot. Let's put her in as few clothes as possible. But that's exactly how See, it I feels. Argue that she actually looks she looks awesome when you first meet her in that back room thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think she looks really badass, and I would have been happy with her stuck like that. And I mean. It, Absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I'm a little bit in love with Olivia Munn. No, nothing, nothing <laughs> at all to do with that. But I mean, I just, I didn't. Her costume, you know, sexualized or not, I just think she looked with that fucking purple thing on her hand as well. She just looked like a giant rampant rabbit. There's no need for it. <laughs> um, so, what, what do we think of Apocalypse as, as the villain, Oscar Isaac's Apocalypse? <laughs> he was really Ivan, shit. Ivan Ooze. There, yeah. there, there was nothing intimidating about him. The bad guy, you should be intimidated either either through sheer, sheer size and power and relentlessness, or kind of just through like real cunning and intelligence and 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 you don't get either of that from him really. And you sort of think, is that it? He just had a miserable face for the whole film, didn't he? Yeah, he, <laughs> he was... was just a bit pissed off that he was, you know, ignored for so long. So he's kind of getting his own back. It just, yeah. I thought he was ghastly. Actually, my favourite well, bit about him was we were talking about uh, last week, weren't we, about his uh, his purple-looking thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody complained he looks like Ivan Ooze. And, and obviously there was this big interview that Brian Singer Dummery said, well, that's, you know, people are bitching and moaning, but they haven't seen it, you know, after post-production's been there and he doesn't look like that anymore. Well, the fact is that your post-production was just put a blue Instagram filter on everything <laughs> within. But that's not fixing the problem. That's just hiding it. He, he still looks shit. Now he just looked like Ivan Ooze. But I've just happened to got that thing where everything turns blue because I've opened my eyes up on a really sunny day. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't think he was as bad as I was expecting him to be. But I think the point as well that you made about him just being a bit boring was the the main issue. Really, he just didn't really threaten anyone. Uh, well, you know, I mean, care about but, motives. I, I yeah. didn't. You know, I wasn't scared by his his henchmen. You know, it, it just it's everything not, was just a, very I vanilla. Quite, I was I wasn't quite sure on his motive, motives. Like, what was um, what was he? What, well, he just got a yeah, complex, was, hasn't what he? Was, he just what wants was to he, be what the was, most powerful. What was he trying to get Magneto to do by he getting was, all the metal up? He was basically trying to be a one man League of Legends, the League of Legends, mm. uh, League thought, of Shadows, the first Batman film. I did think, uh, maybe it was just me, but when when they were at Auschwitz um, and it you know completely reduced it to rubble, I don't know why, but I thought some people would get a bit funny about that. But no, kind of sh- perhaps showing a bit of disrespect to to some uh, or a bit of um, glibness to what like is a what think, should be something that's maybe, a bit respected. I think it works well because he was there. I think it's okay to have him do that because he is a, a, an ex-guest of Auschwitz. I think it's okay to have him do that. I don't think guest is the right term for Auschwitz. <laughs> 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 but I, I mean, what, what I mean, 
resident, maybe, yeah. But I, I think the point is because it's it's his uh, it's the thing that's holding him back. So Apocalypse has to yeah. do that. I, I think it's okay I to th- have him. Do, I think if Apocalypse had gone in and done it, I think maybe you'd probably be on the right track. But I think because we've always known that that Magneto was in Auschwitz, mm. and we've known that. Since well, I mean, day there's, one. there's not there's not been any criticism of it really. It's just something that came into no. my head while I was watching it. There, it, but you know. I'm sure. It was even the danger of it. They... If it's something that was something that was, if if it was going to have um, caused controversy, it certainly would have done, and it hasn't. So it must just have just be me. But it wasn't me. I didn't think of it that way. I just thought when I saw but it, I, that I, could. I think you are kind of on the right track though, because you know it's not long before that they do remind you that he was there by showing you his tattoo, um, which always gives. <laughs> so where, where, where do we think? Where do we think the? Um, the X-Men franchise going on. So I think we know that there's going to be another X, uh, Wolverine film and an X-Men film set in the 90s. Uh, uh, yeah, are they I don't... doing it? Should they knock it on the head? I mean... Well, it's the longest running uh, comic book franchise, isn't it? Comic book movie franchise. Yes. There hasn't, there hasn't been any that have consistently kept the same uh, characters without rebooting them and they, kept, and they found a good way of keeping it fresh by doing what they did with the timelines and and bringing in McAvoy and Fassbender and all the younger um yeah exactly people. yeah so it's um it's still got legs in it excuse the pun for professor x but it's still got it's still got some room to continue i think that they will possibly struggle with the 90s one because then where do they go from that do they just set the rest of them in like the next one's in 95 then it's 96 and then 97 or or you just have have to commit to it being an alternate timeline then you have to make it clear and commit to it being an alternate timeline to the one that we were first introduced to in 2000 Mm -hmm. because the rest doesn't doesn't make sense we're committed to a committing to a new timeline might piss off some of your fan base. Uh, yeah. This, that's the one thing that Fox are trying desperately not to do because it's their only successful franchise at the or, moment. Or you just skip. You keep the same cast you, so you kind of forget McKellen and and um, Stewart. But you skip to from sort of uh, 90s to now. So you can... And, and the events that happened in 1, 2 and Last Stand still happen perhaps but you just kind of skip ahead to, to now and carry it on well that's the thing about last stand as well isn't it haven't they tried to remove it from canon what brian singer done with days of future past i think essentially removed it from the canon all on its own didn't it yeah yeah so, so it's wiped it back so to can... yeah i can't yeah. remember now to be honest what which the is why which is why that certain things you could get away with doing in this new one. I don't. I won't say because it, it is a bit of a spoiler. But there, yeah, certain things you can get away with doing in this one, even though the last stand has technically happened because it's not part of the timeline anymore. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, it's like you know, half of the characters that are in this Cyclops, for example, his introduction, uh, Jean Grey, all that that were done through those last stand and uh, uh, Wolverine Origins films that they and Deadpool, of course, you know. So they're yeah. like, mm, these aren't these aren't real anymore. That they, they no. didn't actually happen. We've re we've rewritten history. So it also, it also means that uh, Mystique was never killed, which is a good thing because I like Mystique. Yeah. Because they they killed her off at the end of well, halfway through Last Stand, didn't they? Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, I mean, last time... Juggernaut. <laughs> juggernaut, <laughs> bitch. Juggernaut, yeah. I didn't... I will let you into a secret. I didn't hate The Last Stand. I think as a brainless sort of popcorn action film, there were worse examples around. Um, Absolutely. My issue with The Last Stand, actually, was it done that thing where... It was just it just started throwing X Men at you just to. But that's say, it. Yeah. We've put, we've put this guy in this film, uh, mm. and very similar to how they wasted uh, Gambit in was it the Origins film they put Gambit into. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was just a fucking ghastly waste of a proper fan favorite character. With uh, Will I Am was in that as well, wasn't he? Will I Am was in that. Who played Gambit? Oh, Taylor Kitsch played Gambit, didn't Taylor he? Kitsch, yeah. yeah. I quite liked him as Gambit as well. I would have liked to have seen him come back. But, mm. yeah, it, yeah. Mm, the, the, the problem with The Last Stand was everyone got lobbed at the wall, just go, here, have some X-Men, have some more X-Men. And you watch it going, oh, fucking hell, just get on with it. Mm. But, but it wasn't shit, but it was an X-Men film, and this is pretty much my response to all of the X-Men films at the moment, is it's just another X-Men film. It it hasn't changed a bit since the last, since the first one. Uh, I just want them to keep Michael Fassbender because I I love him as Magneto, and I love his watching him become Magneto is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, the point of him in this film is to, I guess, mimic what they're trying to do in general, isn't it? Really, is re yeah. reflattening out the world so it can be rebuilt. Only in this is, you know, in what's-his-face, uh, Apocalypse's image. But actually, in terms of the structure of the stories, it's pretty much what Fox are trying to do anyway. It's sort of say, doesn't matter that, you know, Ian McKellen played this character and that the story played out differently. We're redoing it with Magneto at the centre. But I quite happily accept Fassbender as young Ian McKellen. Uh, and while actually I, I liked James McAvoy in this one much more, I'm still not convinced of him being young Patrick Stewart. But, you know, there's there's at least a Wolverine film and another Deadpool film to come, hopefully, before the next X-Men movie. I will sure. say, though, the, the one thing just to end on, because I don't normally like ending reviews on a negative, but I thought that as good as some of the action was and as uh, slick as the whole process felt and as entertained as I was through most of it the the dialogue was just utter garbage in X-Men Apocalypse oh, yeah. it was just some of the worst most badly written dialogue of any of the X-Men films and I include Origins and Last Stand in there it was appalling it was pretty, Yeah, some of the writing was pretty shit a bit uh, shonky wasn't it in places and but... my, my bigger issue than the writing was the fucking length of it Jesus uh, Christ yeah. Two and a half hours long with a fucking post-credit scene. So I had to sit for the entire two and a half hours and I've forgotten what the post-credit scene was. It was that memorable. Whoops. I didn't stay for it. I just don't like stingers. But the, yeah, I mean, that's the trick as well, if you ask me. Because you know, they had um, Apocalypse learn the English language from 80s TV. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, throw in some slang. Call <laughs> someone a dude. <laughs> you know. Cowabunga. <laughs> exactly. Uh... Uh, anyway, shall we um, finish there and, and do some recommendations quickly? Yes, why not? Yes, well, I'm going to go for BBC One at quarter past four in the afternoon on Saturday, and they're showing Wreck-It Ralph, 
the animated film that I thought was fantastic when it came out. Um, it's Brooker. still fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to recommend something that's going to make Owen refuse to ever invite me onto the podcast again. <laughs> uh, nice. On Thursday night on film four, nine o'clock is Ted. Oh. I adore that film. I think it's absolutely hilarious. And I think Ted is amazing. Uh, but yeah, that's on. Owen? Well, you know, <laughs> Booker hasn't stolen my uh, recommendation, which I suppose Don't is the lie. one positive. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, Tuesday, on BBC4 at 9pm, there is a documentary as part of the Storyville series called Last Days in Vietnam, which was one of my top docs from last year. When I entered my top five that I submitted in our awards, uh, it's a, a really just like a fascinating story about the uh, something called Operation Frequent Wind, which was when the US evacuated Saigon in 1975. And it's just incredible story after incredible story from the people that were actually there in Vietnam and were trying to get out. Uh, just it's a, just a brilliant, brilliant documentary. Highly recommend it. Okay. Well, that's all for this week's Failed Critics. Owen's going to tell us what's up next week. We have a Movie Star Triple Bill podcast. So there's that for people to look forward to, I guess, because that means we can avoid oh, reviewing Alice through the Looking Glass. Yes, lovely, wonderful. Um, that's all for this week's Failed Critics podcast. So as always, thank you all for listening. Get yourselves over to the website, failedcritics.com, to read some stuff there. And join us again next week for more film fun. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.